Lee. And I'm Alex. We're going to take a deeper look at cultural philosophy behind martial arts. Hello and welcome to episode 59 of Combat Thoughts. This week we are speaking to Barry Cooper. Barry Cooper is a British pro wrestler. He currently trains out of Elements BJJ in Brighton. And uh, we basically discuss with him the evolution of British pro wrestling, uh, his experience of it uh, from the 60s up until the present day, and really just some of his adventures in this kind of strange uh, parallel world to martial arts so i hope you enjoy take us back to the start um what's your first introduction to it or maybe what's your first important experience before martial arts in general well many many years many many years ago um me and my dad we used to watch the world of sport wrestling on the saturday afternoon we used to be there four o'clock every saturday and then um, afterwards, we'd have a rough and tumble ourselves. My dad didn't wrestle then. Um, he was, um, was about 1968. He would have been about 36. And um, I used to go to school with a lad called Martin Hughes. And he said, oh, my dad's a wrestler. He wrestles down the Brighton Boys Club. So um, it, it sort of, he said, we come down and watch him sometime. Well, my dad used to take me to the big Delmars promotions. We went to the Metropole and uh, King Alfred. We used to go there quite regularly to see all the big stars, Les Kellett, uh, Mick McManus, Jackie Palo, all the big, big stars at the time. So uh, my dad said, oh, I said to my dad, well, we've got they're doing wrestling down at the boys' club. He went, boys, wrestling? I don't want to go and watch that. I said, oh, come on, Dad, my mate's dad's wrestling. So we went down to see it, and then the boys' club then, what was it sitting there? It's the old youth hut, youth hut, youth club opposite um, Elements in Edwards Street. Oh, right. That used to be just, that used to be just the boys' club. Uh, the girls' club used to be up Tilbury Place, just a little bit further up. Anyway, we went down to watch him, and my dad got talking to the wrestler afterwards, Sid, and he decided he was going to take it up. <laughs> at 36 at pro wrestling so he used to go along there i was about eight or nine he used to go along there do his bit of training learn how to fall he did he did nine months of just doing break falls the, the break falls he was doing are different to the break not not much different to the break falls we do now but he's were like front flat on the back and where you do the judo role they used to call they called it the wrestling role anyway it just moved on from there, and he, he, he'd come home after an evening or the next day or the next evening. He'd show me what he'd learned, and we'd be, we used to do it. And then we started having rough and tumbles. The early rough and tumbles, I always ended up crying. He always <laughs> hurt me because we didn't know what we were doing. And um, I'd bash him one as hard as I could because I was Mick McManus or something, and he'd been trying to be – and he'd knocked me back. And he didn't do it on purpose, but, like, you play with your kids, they always end up crying if you play fight them. Anyway, so it's, I was fine with it. No, no, got no crying for it. And we just got on and gone on and we, we started wrestling together and we was doing it properly as such. And we would just 
getting on with it. And we weren't, it didn't seem to hurt each other anymore. It just seemed to be better. And he used to throw me across the room and I used to then throw him across the room and he'd give me a little bit of help sort of thing. But that was that. We'd um, always be doing it. So that's why I was about nine. And just to... I, I, just to ju- I, just to jump in, like, yeah. so what was the what was the wrestling scene like in the UK at the time? I mean, I'm not very clued up on sort of stuff back from that era about pro wrestling. Was it big? Okay. Did people did everyone love it at the time, or was it kind of niche? Well, pro wrestling on the television was everybody. What? Well, I say everybody. Some people didn't like it. It's, it's like football now. Everybody watches football, but some people don't, don't watch football because they don't like it. But they, um, everybody used to watch Saturday afternoon, and the halls used to be all packed out. You, uh, you're lucky if you got a seat in the hall. <clears throat> in the um, late 50s, early 60s, um, the SS Brighton, which is where the Oceanus is now, used to be an ice rink, mm-hmm. and that used to be packed out. And they packed that out twice a week. It was so popular. So um, it, there was there's two ways. There was, um, the, the boys' club wrestling started up with a guy called Bert Azarati. <clears throat> and well, there's a couple of other guys introduced, got Bert Azarati to teach them wrestling. Now, Bert Azarati was one of the greatest wrestlers, amateur wrestler, pro wrestler this country has ever had. Um, he goes along the alliance with Carl Gulch, uh, Billy Robinson. He, he was, yeah, he, he was predecessed Billy Robinson, but he was one of the greatest. He, t- he started off as a circus performer and he could do a backflip holding two 56 pound dumbbells. <laughs> so that's, and, and he, he was a super fit man. No one liked wrestling him because they'd always end up getting hurt because. He was that good. It was like the likes of me um, trying to have a pull around with Dom. So like, it's, um, it, it, he was he was that good, and he was feared by a lot of a lot of the pro wrestlers. And the pro wrestling started off <clears throat> in this country um, by a guy called he, he. They had it in had it early in the con- in this country, but it got banned because it mm-hmm. got too violent, and um, a lot of councils and that it was banned in the country <clears throat> and a guy named Atul Holtley Atul Holtley he reintroduced it with a guy was my um my mate's father um Norman Ansel who used to wrestle as Norman the Butcher and he helped introduce pro wrestling back into this country and then it was in the halls, and obviously it started back in the te- on the television in the early 50s. Then my mate Howard, um, his dad was Norman the Butcher. He, he's trained at Elements a few times. Mm-hmm. He is a good catch wrestler. So what happened was they used to catch, all the catch wrestlers used to go to the gym in the daytime, and they used to pull each other apart and pull each other and really go at each other. <clears throat> And then they'd be wrestling that evening, maybe the same opponent, maybe a different opponent. They're all over the country. And they wouldn't go not so hard with each other. They were good wrestlers, don't get me wrong. They could do could do a good catch match. But they wanted to entertain the crowds yeah. as well. So the, the, the wrestling became like a freestyle wrestling. So the catch wrestling become freestyle 
or like the, what pro wrestling is now. So where you see the WWE now, that is where it's all stemmed from. And over the years, it's just got more and more and more and more flamboyant. <laughs> okay, yeah. so it's it's there's, there's guys out there's, but through my my, my through my best mates at wrestling, <clears throat> um, one's Howard, his, his wrestling name is Lee Bronson. Uh, another one's Mal, his name's Mal Sanders. Another one is Steve Steve Gray. Well, Steve Gray has been the British and World Lightweight Champion at pro wrestling, and they're three different styles of wrestling. Howard, he can do a good job. He can do a really good job as an amateur wrestler. He was um, British champion at weight at one time when he was mm-hmm. about 17. 17, 18, I think he was British champion. Um, Mal, he did a little bit of amateur wrestling before he started professional wrestling, but he could do a good, a good amateur match if you really wanted him to. And Steve, never done any amateur wrestling at all. He just went straight into pro wrestling, and he's one of the greatest pro wrestlers this country's ever produced. There have been some good ones, but he's, he's only recently retired. So that's sort of how the wrestling sort of was introduced into the into the country. It was just great. It was, it was great sport, great great following. People loved it. And if you see some of the old newsreels, you see some of the old, old ladies there, and they they loved it. Wanted their front seats. Um. Just before we crack on, um, Lee, can you unmute yourself and mute yourself and stuff? All right, cool. Sorry, Barry. Just wanted to jump in because I was hearing an echo across. That'll make it difficult to edit later on. Lee, just unmute yourself when you want to get when you want to jump in. Um, yeah, like I was saying, um, I find it interesting that it's kind of when people see the American style and see stuff like that, it's quite it is quite flamboyant and a bit of a, a show, but people don't realize it's got those catch backgrounds and, and not only has it got the catch like lineage, but a lot of people do legitimate catch wrestling before they get into the professional wrestling as well. And like in, in Japan, especially yeah. I know that's why, you know, Billy Robinson went over there and taught like I th- Billy Robinson taught Sakuraba, I believe that's where he learned all of his original uh, grappling skills. Possibly, yeah. um, I just find it interesting. It's got that whole link with actual martial arts. Have you read his? Have you read his book? I'm afraid not. Uh, I am reading. Um, I am reading a catch wrestling book, but it's more related to the original history of it and sort of Lancashire catch wrestling at the moment. Okay. Um, I've not read Billy Robinson's book. I've got a copy. If you want to, um, yeah, I'll definitely pick it. that up. Um, okay. I'll so see. yeah, so I guess pro wrestling at the time was well it was. Big. I mean, I guess people don't realise that there was that big scene back at the time. So it makes people sense. That's where I was going to jump in because a lot of the chats we do with people nowadays, it's kind of how did you get into Brazilian jiu-jitsu? And it's kind of like the sport of misfits. Like it's like you're not great at football, you don't play rugby, so you go into kind of boxing or jiu-jitsu. Whereas this sounds a lot more like you you use kind of like the celebrity of the day rather than being the misfit. But the three guys I, I just mentioned were, were household names. Mm-hmm. They were like movie stars, and wherever they went, they would, they would if people knew them, they were treated like movie stars. It's, I, 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 I go and see my mate now. I, you'll probably see a copy of this later on. Mal, I'm still in awe of him now because <laughs> he was that great big star, <clears throat> and he's he, he a good wrestler. Professional as a professional wrestler, he 
he had most of it. He could he could do the catch side of it, and he could do the professional side uh, of it. Uh, and what so made someone was, a great professional wrestler? What made yeah. someone great? You say they're the best. Why? If I'd have known that, but you say they were the sorry? best at the time. They were like the, the certain guys were the best. Some of the best catch wrestlers, or sorry, um, pro wrestlers this country's ever, ever produced. Why do you say they were some of the best? It's just the, the whole the, their whole style. You know what they when when a wrestler watches a wrestler, he, he, you can see the difference. You can see with with jiu-jitsu, you can see someone who knows what they're doing. They know, you know, someone who can, who can work the crowd. You know, someone so like they'd, they'd be doing something, and the crowd would be going mad for it, sort of thing. The Howard was always um, Lee Bronson was always like a clean cut wrestler, big guy, clean cut wrestler. Steve Gray always a cl- good clean cut wrestler, but Mal Sanders he did both sides of it. He done good and he done the bad, done the blue eye, and the heel. Mm. Or the, ba- or the face, the baby face, they call him now, or the heel. So he, he could do both and, and equally as well. Um, but it's, I don't know, what, if, if I'd have known what made them great wrestlers, I probably wouldn't be sitting here now. I would be somewhere off in America, um, signing it up. But no, <laughs> I don't mean that. Um, yeah, I think you know, they, you just, they just had, had it. Yeah. I, I'd be yeah. interested to know, because like, a kid who grew up like nerding out on WWF, and I, I, I was kind of into that yep. world when I was growing up. How scripted was it back in those days? Was it kind of like how much, like you say, like the baby face and the heel. So like those personas were there. Whereas nowadays everything's scripted. Kind of where did they draw the line? Um, I, I tell there's a little story that um, with, with Billy Robinson, which is, I've been told, Steve, he was wrestling a guy called Steve Veardor. And at the time, Steve Veardor was the, ooh, I don't know, you say he's the best-looking actor at the moment. I don't know. I don't know. Best-looking male actor at the moment. He was, well, he was the, an Adonis of, of um, all the women wanted, Steve Veardor sort of thing. Chris Pratt or And um, he was wrestling Billy Robinson. And the, what, what I've heard was, Billy Robinson was supposed to win 2-1. That was what the orders were. So, like, although it's, you, you were told what you've got to... Not always told what you've got to do. If the, if the person you, you was wrestling wasn't worthy of what the the result should be, you didn't give it to them. You, you didn't <laughs> let them have it. But anyway, Billy Robinson was in the ring. Steve Veardor came in. He had a rose. He gave it to one of the girls in the in the audience, gave her a kiss, got into the ring, and Billy Robinson went up to the referee. He said, um, "Tell tell Steve I'm going to have a two 0 now." And it was that, that sort of thing. It was, he, he, he wouldn't. He wasn't going to let him win because he. I, I really don't because of his um, popularity with women, and it's just strange. But you know. That he could have, he could have just done it anyway. He didn't. He don't. And that, that's the difference with with um, people say it's fixed or it's that it's not so much fixed that, that those results throughout the years are worthy of that person. They could have done that easily anyway. Are, are you with me? Yeah. 
It's like I, I roll with Dom. I roll with Dom sometimes, and he's at super light with me. But like, I know at any minute he can tap me out, and it's 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 that sort of thing. With um, saying it's, it's I, don't, I don't like saying it's fixed because it's, it wasn't fixed as that. Not many matches were mm-hmm. all fixed, um, but it's a part of the crowd want to see something spectacular. And you'll you'll give your opponent a little bit, and he'll give you a little bit back. So he'll make you look good, and I'll make you'll make them look good, sort of thing. So that's a, that's where the, the fiction is. It's a it's a tough old job in there. It's I mean, <clears throat> it's just as um, as exhausting and tiring and consuming with energies as rolling for five minutes. And a lot of these guys are in that ring for 30 minutes. You know, it's like if you have six rolls down, yeah. down at the elements, how much that yeah. takes out of you. So these these guys are, can do a job if they wanted to. You know, if, 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 do you understand that? Is that, that, that makes sound? perfect sense, yeah. Um, Lee, did you yeah. have something you wanted to jump in with? So you might go on, on and off. Cool. I was just saying it's like it's like a respect to your skill level, isn't it? It's kind of like it's going to be this score or this outcome, but if you're not good enough or if you're having like a, a bad turnout, you can turn it around and be like, no, go fuck yourself. I'm taking this one today. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've never I've never been sacked for, for doing that, <laughs> to be honest. But, but you know, I've heard of some wrestlers have been sacked for, for from a, a different promoter for doing it. Um, not doing as they were told, sort of thing, because the the guy who was, who was wrestling were, were just idiots. They couldn't do the job. Well, maybe it's a good time to. But with in, in, in early 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 days at Dal Martins, which was the biggest promoter in the country, um, I never I, I did train there a couple of times, but it was sort of passed. There weren't so many wrestlers training. They used to go. Wrestlers and um, wrestlers from Brighton have been up to London to do the training. It's a lot, lot different to what it is now. I mean, and they'd gone to Dale Martin's gym, and the wrestlers there—they're what they call shooters—and the shooters would actually be top amateur wrestlers that do the pro job, and then they would what we used to call screw them until they really, really hurt. They'd come out crying, a lot of them. <clears throat> And then they would do that for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then they would start teaching them and teaching them. And then that, that's how they learn how to wrestle properly. You've got to, you've got to be, it helps to wrestle properly. The wrestlers today, all due respect, there's some good wrestlers out there, but a lot of them are just mimicking what they did in the 50s and 60s and what the WWF or WWE are doing. And it's, it's a shame, really, because they, they don't know how to wrestle. Well, what I was going to, yeah, well, maybe it would be good to get onto your own journey then again. Um, cause I kind of think we veered off a little bit from that. You mentioned, I think we were saying before, um, you were wrestling in your room with your dad and you got to about nine or something. I was about nine, nine about nine years old when my dad started. So that would have been about 1968. Oh, maybe <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> 1968, 69, nice. something like that. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah, so we we just kept on, and then my, the boys' club 
uh, as then what is now the youth um, centre, um, sort of stopped. And then my dad opened up a few gyms himself in different places. We had one in Whitehawk, we had one in Wooding Dean, we had one in <clears throat> in uh, Preston Park, all at separate times because they, they, the buildings closed down and I didn't want us anymore, that sort of thing. So my dad started running his own gyms. And the one in Whitehawk, um, I introduced my mate, Trevor, and another guy there, Steve. He, um, he used to, I wrestled with him a lot in later years. They, we used to go there, and because I'd done a lot with my dad, I wasn't a coach, but my dad used to say, like, take them through the paces and do their bits and pieces with them. And we, we just used to practice our pro wrestling in there and taking break falls and doing bits and pieces and <clears throat> with um with pro wrestling it's like someone gets you an arm lock you sort of you know how to roll out of it and all that sort of thing all, so it's all done that's what i was going to ask what does like a typical training session back then look like <clears throat> um it's not much difference to a danny vlad um class to be honest we used to do a bit of a warm-up get all warm uh, and mostly it was doing breakfalls um, and that sort of thing. Um, and then who can do the highest breakfall? So, like, you, you throw yourself. <clears throat> you, you have a guy on all fours and you, you go over the top of him. I, I'll show you this when, when, when we're at the gym one day. <laughs> yeah. And then I can't do him to that now. And then who could do the highest one? So you would have a guy just sort of on just bending over and then someone just with their head down and so you can go over the top without touching them sort of thing and land on their back having a big back, big, um, uh, what do you call it? A big fall. So, um, a big bump as they call it now. <clears throat> and these used to be on solid floors. I mean, the, 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 the rings of today are just so different. I mean, it's like the, the, um, floor at, uh, elements. It's nice to land on because it, it Got that little bit of giving it. I've wrestled on concrete floors with just coconut mat and a canvas over the top of it, and it's like rock solid. So um, yeah, so I've got what I was. Yeah, so yeah, the the, the club at White Hawk was quite a good one. It's an old boxing club, and um, we introduced quite a few lads into wrestling through that. And then um, we used to do the training couple of days a week and then at the end of it we put a show on it's an, I don't know if you know why I talk at all so David's Hall my dad got a ring we put a show on in there and it was all the trainees all done their show in there to, just to show the parents what they've been doing and everything nice so that was that was my first sort of um, yeah I, I can't remember how old I was then I was about 12, 13, I think. Yeah, at mm -hmm. 12, 13. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the guys used to come along, his name is Alec Taylor. He started promoting wrestling. And um, he wanted to put me on a proper town, what they call a town show, when I was 14. And what does that mean, a town show? So that would be, a town show would be like uh, wrestling here tonight. There would be a ring, the wrestling ring. And seats all around, and then people pay to come and watch. So that was my first taste of professional wrestling as a proper professional. I don't think I got paid very much, but about two pound fifty, I think it was. It might be one pound fifty. But how did you find it? 
Ah, oh, it's great yeah. night. Great night. Um, it was, it was, it was um, a, a strange. <laughs> it was sounds strange to you now. It was me and my dad, <clears throat> and, and we would. My dad was called Titch. He does his wrestling name, Titch Cooper and Son. Because Jackie Palo and Son at the time was quite big, so obviously because I was, um, Jack, um, JJ Junior would be about. 70, 70, be about 70, he would have been about 70 now. So he started wrestling a bit before us. <clears throat> and, um, oh boy, he started a long time pro wrestling mm-hmm. before me. Um, and so it's Titch Cooper and Son. And there was a, on one of the shows I think my dad was doing, there was a misprint on one of the posters. My dad used to run shows as well. So, like, he would promote shows and put guys on and match make and all that sort of thing, sell the tickets and do the raffle, put the ring up, take the ring down, he'd referee, wrestle, he'd, he'd do everything. He used to do everything. It was great, my dad, for that. And there was a misprint on the poster. And there was a guy at the time, his name was Gordon Martin, he was wrestling on the mask as the Black Panther. This is back in the 70s when the Black Panther was um, a serial killer. Oh, oh, okay. And that was just before then. So uh, uh, another guy took the Black Panther over that to stop doing it because his Black Panther was uh, was um, doing a lot of killings. Anyway, sort of sidetracked there. There was a misprint on the poster. It's Pink Panther. <laughs> now, I don't know if you remember Pink Panther. It's, it's the cartoon yeah. character. Yeah, I know the Pink great. Panther is. Yeah, so my brother-in-law at the time, he wrestled, Graham. He decided, oh, I'll do the Pink Panther. So he masked up in pink mask and got T-shirts. And then he did it. And then it was decided that we, and he was he was a toughie, we would wrestle Pink Panther and Son. So it was my, my, yeah. my brother-in-law was the Pink Panther. And his, his son was my mate. He was he was Trevor. He masked up and did all that. So it was a great night. And uh, my dad's mum, my nan, she she come to watch, and she used to love the wrestling. She used to get up there and start scream at the tellies, McMack Manners and Jackie Palo, hey, dirty old man, that sort of thing. Don't do that. They're cheating. <clears throat> well, she had a fit. When uh, she come along, she was crying. Get him out of there! Because I was getting beaten up. Get him out of there! Get him out of there! She was going mad. My mum had to hold her back. <laughs> Dad was there. It was just, and um, I had to go and talk to her after. I'm all right, Nan. I'm all right, really. I'm, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. So I've got black eye and missing a load of hair. And all that. So it was, yeah, it was great, great night. And, and being fourteen, it was like. Sort of the, the kids at school were saying, "What are you doing tonight?" Oh, I'm wrestling at uh, St Barnabas Hall tonight. Wrestling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Professional wrestling. <laughs> it was great, great, great night. That was highlight of my. Uh, I can't remember much about the match, but um, it was just Is that because of the great. time ago, or did you take some damage? Is that because of how Sorry? long ago it was, or did you take some damage and you can't remember? Well, it was in 1974. Yeah. Okay, so that's yeah, quite fair. a long time ago, and to be honest, I mean, there's very few wrestling matches. There's lots of wrestling matches I can remember. 
wrestling people. I remember the first time I wrestled Steve Gray <clears throat> and bits of that. I can't remember the whole match, but like, I can remember bits in that. Uh, the first time I wrestled my mate Mal, um, Howard Lee Bronson came to one of my dad's gyms one day. I was standing in awe of this television star wrestling was coming to my dad's gym. So it's just, he was, um, and that Howard's taught me a lot of um, catch stuff. So. I do, I do have to ask because me and Robbie are a bit obsessed with it on the jiu-jitsu side. But you're saying like about all like the tumbling and all that. What was injuries like with it? Like how, how often did you get injured and how did you cope with it? To be honest, I didn't, I never got many injuries at, at progress. And I've, I've uh, probably sprained my wrist a couple of times, sprained my ankles a couple of times. It's usually because I've done some stupid flip of, um, or jumped off a top rope or something like that and dived onto someone or dived across someone. Not many injuries. I've been, I've had a few clouts from people because I've, um, I think I've been a bit of a, an idiot sometimes, but not, nothing I wouldn't be sort of right home about. Nothing I'd, oh, I can't say, oh, yeah, he did that because I did that. It's, it's nothing like that. But I've had a few <clears throat> and clumsy wrestlers give you good odds some, sometimes. Um, but it's no, I, I had more injuries playing football than I did actually wrestling. That's what I got most. I broke my leg playing football so in 93. But like it's just, yeah, yeah. Most injuries I've had of playing football. It's kind of surprising, actually, considering the stunts you were doing onto hardwood and concrete flooring, <laughs> that you didn't get more <laughs> fucked up. It's because we, it's because we learn how to yeah. fall. It's it's learn a lot of people <clears throat> when they fall, they go to put their hands mm-hmm. down, put their hands down like that. And you, you you can't you can't do that. You fall forwards. Don't put your hands down in front of you because you are going to hurt yourself. It's going to jar. You're going to bend your wrist. I think back. in my third MMA class, when, I dislocated my shoulder because I fell like that. So yeah, it's because you that, that yeah. It's go go to the um, fundamental class. Yeah. They teach you how to fall. You roll into a fall. Um, I've I've jumped. I used to dive off. A, well, I, I still do it. I haven't done it. Uh, when was the last time I did? I can't remember now. Um, about six months ago, I had a wrestling, a wrestling show, <clears throat> and I died off the top rope. I mean, it's a lot easier in, in the rings there, but a lot of the old rings just be rock solid, and you like you, you have to land properly, otherwise you'd end up hurting yourself. And it's it's you look at stuntmen. Um, uh, Carlos asked me, "How do you fall down?" I was showing him some of the falls. I, how to fall down? How, how to fall down without hurting yourself? He said, "I've had, I've asked people." He said, "People have asked me to um, do falls without padding on and fall down down the stairs and things like that." And I said, "It's just the way you do it." I mean, another important thing is <clears throat> getting rid of the air out of your lungs. So a lot, I mean, in a lot of wrestlers, you hear a lot of wrestlers shout when there's nothing going on. Now, when a guy gets thrown, you. You launch yourself off, and before you hit the ground, you give out a big shout, and it gets all the air out your lungs, and it stops you winding yourself if you land badly. And it's little things like that that you, you, you have to you sort of pick up over the over the years. You're making me feel soft yeah. now because yeah. I complain when Ooh. I fall onto all like big heavy mats now. So you're making me feel soft. <laughs> 
Well, they, they train on crash mats. A lot of the guys, they do all these, all these big falls. I mean, they, it's the same as gymnastics, and they, they train on trampolines to get get the heights, do the spins. Um, and then they have, um, when they're training to do um, big spins or when they're doing high stuff, they have the big pools, pits of foam, don't they, and that sort of thing. I mean, a lot of the rest, a lot of the rest in schools have crash mats now, so they they can do the practice those big moves. But unless you fall properly off of those, it, it, you are you are going to end up hurting yourself. Yeah, I've had, yeah, not that's not many injuries. I've, I've had sprained wrist, elbow, knocked an elbow or something, but like something you can sort of carry on with. So you're 14, doing all these wrestling shows with your dad at the time. Where yeah. did it progress from there? Um, unfortunately, my progression was rather slow. Um, with so with as I said earlier, going to Dale Martins, they they like really really hurt you. It'd be like rolling with Dom on full swing every time you went there. Um, so they'd really, really hurt you and make sure they'd hurt you. Because it was, in the early days, it was a very close shop. You either knew someone in the wrestling fraternity, in big wrestling um, in Dale Martins, or you were a good amateur progressing on to, um, on mm-hmm. to professional. Um, so... I only really wrestled for um, with, for my dad. I had a couple of other people who asked me to wrestle for him, but I could never. We never really tried. We we, we tried to break into Dale Martins, but we we never quite made it. Me and my dad, we went up there a couple of times, and the guys we see guys in there just turned up there, done a bit of wrestling, then there was working for Dale Martins. That's that they, they called it work. And then um, I could never sort of break in. And then there's a there's um, there was a Big Daddy show, Big Daddy Giant Haystack show um, in Brighton at the Dome. This would have been about 1979, okay. 1980, and it was a the, the the real big rise of Big Daddy. And um, We've been. I've been training at Del Martins with a guy called uh, Peter Zakash, great Hungarian wrestler. As I could tell you a funny story about him in a minute. I'm sure, if you want. Um, he um, he saw us there. We let us in the back door, and um, we went in. We was watching the wrestling, and then he came up to me. He said, uh, "How long will it take to get your wrestling stuff?" I said, well, actually, it's it's in the car. It'll take me a couple of minutes to get it because we, we always go to a wrestling show. If you went, went to any pro wrestler, if they went to a wrestling show to watch or see somebody, they always had their gear in the bag because to the nature of the sport, there's always injuries. Yep. So um, we we were sitting there. He said, oh, all right, go and get your stuff and then come down just after half time." So I went down there. Uh, got me stuff, went down into dressing rooms and Big Daddy was there, Giant Haystacks was there, there's a couple of other wrestlers, another guy, Titch White and and I forgot the guy's name now it'll come to me in a minute Billy Trontus mm-hmm. was, the, was the wrestler <clears throat> so um, 
I got interviewed. I got interviewed as as you do a job by Big Daddy. He said, who you wrestled for? What have you done? Blah, blah, blah. I said, well, I've only lo- wrestled locally for my dad. And who's your dad? Well, he didn't know my dad. And he asked me if I worked for Jackie Palo. Well, Jackie Palo at the time had done his spoiling book um, a couple of years before. So he was ostracised from the wrestling business, although he did promote himself. And he was quite a good promoter. Um, I said, no, I haven't worked for Jackie Palo. And he said, oh, okay. I said, right. After the next belt, come down. So I went back up downstairs. My dad was all excited. My dad was more excited than me. <clears throat> and he's saying, just, just do as you're told. Just be nice and loose. Just do this. Just do that. Just relax and blah, blah. And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, all right. All right, all right. And he was all excited. And then um, I had my bag. I went back down to Drake change rooms. And um, I think it was after Big Daddy's been on. It might be before Big Daddy's been on. And he said to me, oh, sorry, lad, it's not on. And, uh, oh, oh, no. What's the matter? No, no, it's not on. And then uh, Giant Haystacks piped up, give the lad a chance. But unfortunately, I didn't get my chance. And I think it would have been different because if I'd have wrestled then, I think it would have been different for my whole career. It sort of knocked me back a little bit. I was about 20 yeah. at the time, 21. And it sort of knocked me back a little bit. Um, yeah. So that was one of, one, one of the, um, my biggest disappointments in wrestling. That If I'd have wrestled that night, I think I would have been able to... Um, I would have been a... Not a big star, but probably got somewhere different, better. You know I mean? I would, yeah. Yeah, it was about 1980, I think. I was, yeah, I was about 21. Yeah, man, it's a bit of a, a, bit of a sombre note. Yeah, so, but there, um, there's, there's other promoters, other bigger promoters. I, I, I wrestled for um, what is now All Star mm-hmm. Promotions uh, from Merseyside or Merseyside Promotions. I got in with them. And then a guy called Scott Conway. Oh, that was. I, we, me and my, before that, me and my dad, we did a couple of shows for the Argus Christmas Appeal. And we put on a couple of big shows there. And then on the third one, a guy named John Fremantle, he was a sports editor, asked me if he could take it over and do it himself. And this is the second time I met Big Daddy. He said, we're going to put a show in a hometown hall with Big Daddy. And uh, we put you on it as well. So I said, well, okay then. Um, I don't think I got paid for it because it was a charity show. But um, there was about 1,300 people. That was, uh, up to then, that's probably the biggest um, crowd I've wrestled in front of. And a lot of it's a hung crowd. And it's just surprising of, of how many people actually knew me. It was, a, mm-hmm. it was amazing. That's one of my experiences. It's a big daddy show. And I don't think he remembered me, but got on quite well with him in the end after that but uh yeah a little break at least yeah that was in uh 1970 no 1980 1987 yeah. so it's a few years on at that point yeah so I've, I've done a lot of wrestling in between but not as much as i'd like to have done i mean some of the some of the pro wrestlers working seven nights a week sometimes doing two shows a night so it's full on like the theater kind of level 
performance. Like you hear about theatre people doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's kind of the the stories that <clears throat> you hear. Like the promotions. Like in the US, I've heard the stories of them. Kind of two shows pack up onto the next sitter. Two shows pack up onto the next sitter. Yeah, but. Uh... Well, Mick McManus, he he was running joint promotions for a little while, and he was uh, obviously their biggest star. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of him, Mick yeah. McManus? Yeah, he was one of their, he was one of the biggest stars here. He was on something like sixteen pound a night, unless he went to Scotland, he got more. But he was on sixteen pound a night, and this is in the sixties and seventies when the average wage was sixteen pound a week. Oh right, he was so minted then. He made. <laughs> He was he was making loads and loads and loads of money at it. Well, fair play to him. I mean, he he did a he did a good job, and he could look after yeah. himself as well. He, he was a man that people loved to hate. When you were saying about like so, the late eighties and kind of nineties, was was the dream of wrestlers coming up then to kind of go over to America? Was this at the point where it was kind of go to America to be bigger? Was that was that where it kicked off, or how did you look at the American approach to wrestling? Was it kind of frowned upon? Um, no, no, because some some of my acquaintances from rest from wrestling, um, William Regal, uh, wrestled on the same bill as him. I've been in the same ring as him in a rumble. Um, do you remember Earthquake? Yeah, uh, John. He's he's dead now. John, forgot his surname. Um, but he was a big star in mm-hmm. the eighties, uh, well, the nineties. Um. Greg Valentine, he he came to um, Worthing once for John Fremantle, uh, British Bulldog, obviously. Um, I never met um, Dynamite Kid, but like he he was been a tough tough old cookie to beat. He he was although although um, Davy Boy and Dynamite Kid were like flamboyant as they were, they could do a job. They could look after themselves as well. There's no mucking about with them. Um, so I've been on the same shows as those. Uh, been the same ring as Earthquake. as quite a few, really. Um, I was at Tunbridge, Wales, uh, when William Regal, he was Steve Regal over here, he um, he just got... Um, he just got into WWF, WWE then. <clears throat> and he was supposed to be on the bill... But he couldn't do it because he was contracted with WWF. Ah, but he, he still turned up. He saw a promoter in that. So anyway, John Freeman had done this wrestling spectacular at um, Host Town Hall, and he'd done a couple more. And then there's a, a promoter in Southampton named Scott Conway. He offered me loads of work, and I got loads of work with him, and. Uh, and that's how it's been since well, how it was in the late eighties, early nineties, until I broke my leg in ninety three. Uh, uh, football, not not wrestling. The football, yeah. I I had everything. I mean, I, I wasn't. A, I've never been a rich wrestler. I've never been paid loads. I've always been like uh, a wrestler at the foot of the bill, sort of thing, promoting the wrestlers, the other stuff, and doing things like that. So I've never been a star. I wouldn't say that, but like. <clears throat> I was wrestling three or four times a week, um, going all up and mm-hmm. down the country. 
Um, I was lucky enough, I had my taxi back then. I had two drives on my taxi, so I didn't have to worry about that. And yeah, I, was, I was doing a great time wrestling all up and down the country, doing holiday camps. That was an mm-hmm. experience. Holiday camps, yeah, yeah, wrestling three or four times a day, putting the ring up, taking it down. <clears throat> on to the next one. I'm doing a week's tour. Yeah, so that, that was... Um, an experience as well. That's with um, Scott. And what was the story you were going to tell about? Um, sorry, was it a Hungarian chap? Hungarians, yeah. Uh, Peter Zakash and another great wrestler, and he was he, um, his brother Tibor, who was the older brother, came to this country just after the war, mm-hmm. I think. Um, they're Hungarians, and um, they were Hungarian amateur champions. And they went along to watch the wrestling and they said, well, we could do this shit. And that's how they got into it. And T-Ball was probably one of, uh, was one of Dale Martin's biggest stars in the times, um, in the seventies. And he said, oh yeah, we can do this shit. And of course they could. And they've become big stars for it, both of them. Yeah. And then uh, Peter, um, he showed us around the, um, Around the gym, and he tried to get me um, jobs for Dale Martins, but there was nothing there for me because <clears throat> my dad was a little bit too old then. He could still do it, but he's like me, a little bit too old. Um, so he couldn't sort of match make us up. Or if I'd have had a partner, we probably would have got a bit of wrestling in there. Because once you're in with Dale Martins, it was that's it, you, you just progress, progress, you'd, they'd find you more opponents, and you'd be going all over the place. It didn't quite work out. Um, but he's the one that got me into the dome. And I forgot what I was going on. Oh, yeah, that was it. Uh, there was a guy turned up, um, Keith Hayward, on Sunday when we knew Dad was there. And he was an ex-Commonwealth champion. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I don't know whether it was it was just recently, but he decided that he was going to come over. <clears throat> and then my, uh, Peter got in the ring. My, and he got my dad in, and he was saying like we we do it slightly different here and blah 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 and sort of things. They do this and do this and that. and he pulled my dad to pieces. My dad came out black <laughs> and blue. Poor fellow he was. He was he, he must have been about fifty. My dad at the time must have been yeah. And um, a week week or so later, he was uh, wrestling on the bill at um, at the dome. So it was just because he was a good, good wrestler, and he is a very good wrestler. He was a very good wrestler. He um, he got the work that way. I was I was I was just like a, I was skinny like a beanpole. I should have get, should find you a photograph of me of when I was um, actually wrestling. I was skinny like a bean beanpole. I was eight stone wet, sort of thing. So I was bad. I was a bag of bones. So I was, I was didn't look a wrestler, and I think that's probably why I didn't progress at, mm-hmm. at an early age. That, that sort of the, the 18, 19 year old that's well, I should have been going into it. I was just like a beanpole. Because that was up. part of the persona, wasn't it? it was, those were the big guys. And, I, the guy you mentioned earlier, I looked at the picture of him, I just Googled him. He's like got the old style dumbbell and he's lifting that. It's kind of that's what that's what really. Which uh, one was that? ZZ something? Yeah. Oh, uh, Tibor. Yeah. Tibor Zakesh. Yeah. I had a Google of him, and he's got the yeah. big dumbbell, and it's kind of like the, it's the what you expect to see, isn't it? Yeah, 
it was either a big fat round wrestler, big yeah, daddy yeah. type wrestler, or a, a fairly muscly wrestler. And I mean, looking back at, I mean, I look back. Mick McManus was was always sort of roundish. He was short and round. He was never never looked muscly. But when you see some of their old photographs, I mean, I was looking at him wrestling when he was like fifty on the telly, sort of thing. And when you look at some of their, their when they were younger, some you see them now and again, they had quite a physique on them. And they were quite muscly where they they'd done the wrestling. So it's, it is um, other wrestlers you can sort of look at that. I so you could um, look at Les Kellett as 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 working as a wrestler in, the, in his later life. He didn't have much of a body. He was an old man. I mean, but he, if you speak to any wrestler about him, he was one of the toughest. Tough, tough, toughest of them all. Yeah, he was. He was. Is he looks like a nice softy comedian in, in the ring. Oh. So many, so many different characters. And it's just. Um, I, I only met Les once, and he was like an. He was, he was just sitting in the corner, corner change room, cloth cap on, overcoat on, just sitting there waiting for him to go on his wrestling. When he done his wrestling, went back and sat down again. It was just. Just a, 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 well, I don't know if he's a nice man because I've got to talk to him. But, yeah. <laughs> On the subject of um, just, um, characters, I mean, did you build up a persona of your own to go along with the wrestling in general? Uh, yeah, hang on a minute. I've got an eye cloud thing come up now. Um, no, not really. Not a persona. So I've always been... Really, just a clean-cut professional wrestler, and that's—I've never really sort of gone any further mm-hmm. than that. I've, 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 I haven't really thought about. Oh, go away! Sorry. Um, I can still see you, Rob. Um, <laughs> Lee, you've been blanked out. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, so I've always been just a, a, a clean-cut professional wrestler as such and uh, people like seeing me as, as that um, I've it yes yeah, a, a lot of so many different types of wrestlers um, you, you get the, the wrestler who has the image that he put and his persona out there and he, he would just do that in the ring when he gets out of the ring Totally different person. You get um, other ones, other ones that actually live and dream the whole persona. They live, eat, and breathe that persona. That's they are that person. It's just strange. See, yeah, so it's like a guy um, who like WWE, and you've got like the Undertaker who never did an interview. Is. And like he stayed in character forever. And then when he retired, he did loads of interviews, and that's quite cool. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but like, yeah, probably a different mm. person. It's just, yeah, in front of Cameron, when like, I've only wrestled on telly once, but like, I could could imagine it, how it would be like in front of Cameron. You, you build this persona, so you've got to do that persona. They, they are um, entertainers in that respect. It's different for like um, someone like. Sean Connery, as such, he he played different, lots of different people. 
so he had different characters he played. But with um, with wrestlers, they they just mostly do just one character, and you they see that in front of the camera. So when people see you in the street, they just presume you're still that character. It's, it's very strange. I've had people walk up to me in the street and say, "Hello, Barry, how are you? How are you doing?" And I haven't got a clue who they are. That's that's just one of the strangest things. And you you think, well, where do they know me from? Well, I've wrestled under different names in different places. I was on the Isle of Wight. Um, oh, I'm just trying to think when was that? That would have been about uh, eighty four, eighty five, something like that. I was wrestling on the Isle of Wight, and the promoter had built had a poster up and it had lots of different names on it. And he said, oh, you're, um, I can't remember her name now, you're, you're, you're John Smith tonight. Oh, okay. And he introduced me as John Smith. Afterwards, someone walked up and says, you're Barry, isn't you? you're Barry from Brighton. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We, we live in Brighton. We've seen you wrestling in Brighton before. Why do they call you John Smith? So I said, oh, it's just a print, uh, printing error. So they, they don't like to... The, the promoters don't like to deceive the people by putting loads of names on there and, and um, so they're not appearing sort of thing. So they just make the names fit. That's happened to me a few times, but I, it's not just it's just part of the wrestling flamboyancy promotion sort of thing. Well, on that subject of the flamboyancy and the promotion stuff, um, I just wanted to ask sort of about because obviously the UK scene has not been nearly as prolific as like the American pro wrestling scene. There's obviously a huge American pro wrestling scene. And uh, I, I don't know, um, maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like um, pro wrestling in the UK seemed huge uh, when you were talking about it in like the 60s and the 70s. Nowadays, not so much. I mean, do, do you have any thoughts on why maybe it's grown more in the US than over here? Probably because of television, mm-hmm. to be honest. Television and the exposure it gets on the television. Um, it finished, uh, I think it was about 80, 88 on British television. Um, Greg Dyke, who took over, didn't like wrestling. And it's simple as he didn't like wrestling, so he pulled the plug on it. And Greg Dyke was head of ITV at the time. Um, and that was that. And that was the end of it. It took a, it, it, it picked up yeah. in the halls, and so like you, you go into the halls, it picked up um, in the halls just after that, but then slowly dwindled away because people sort of lost interest because they're not seeing household names again. It's it's the draw, and the, the those that were the household names, obviously getting older um, and retiring. McManus had already retired by then, but there was others like Brian Maxine. Um, Bobby Barnes, great, great wrestlers. Um, getting old, people were going to see them, but obviously they're, they're getting older and they're not as good as they used to be. And then it was getting that new generation of people in, in, involved in, in it. They just weren't. Um, I'll get rid of this. Well, then maybe a better question to ask to sort of start um, rounding it up if it's not too early to do that. Um, what do we (laughs) you obviously love the sport and obviously and clearly if it's this one guy who's come in from itv and um ruined it in the uk or ruined the scene of it 
do you ever see it making a comeback and what what would you hope to happen for pro wrestling in the future in the uk there's there's quite a bit of pro wrestling on the, on the television at, at the moment there's one on itv2 runs once a week i forgot the dynamite wrestling i think it's called um i have watched it a couple of times not just sort of Usually I'm in bed and I'll have a look up and see a little bit of it. I've seen a couple of guys who I've wrestled on there before and sort of things. Oh, yeah, I've seen how they're getting on. Um, I just don't think it's got the following as mm-hmm. it used to. It's just... Uh, yeah, it's a long time off for television. I'm trying to get it back onto prime television spot. Four o'clock um, uh, on a Saturday afternoon was um, you had to be home by four o'clock. And one of the um, instigators of getting off the television at four o'clock was uh, the owner of Tesco's because all these shops were empty at four (laughs) o'clock and he wasn't selling any food at four o'clock. So he wanted it off. He was, I don't know if it was him personally, but like there's lots of other people as well, but like he wanted it off the television at four o'clock because he Nobody was going in the shops. No one was doing any shopping. And there wasn't all. There wasn't twenty-four um, hour stores then either. Back back then in the eighties, all, all the supermarkets were closed on Sundays. And Saturday was the day that everybody did their shopping. Yeah, so. funny influences from around. Yeah, uh, Lee, do we need to be wrapping this one up for you at the moment, or? Yeah. So that yeah, that's kind of a good spot for me. No worries. Um, well, Barry, look, um, we could actually crack on and go through a few more stories. I mean, Lee could always log off at this point if you've got a dash. Um, Barry, did you have any more key stories you wanted to go through? Any sort of funny tales and stuff like that that you were? Uh, yeah, funny tales. Yeah, if there was uh, anything like that. Well, I don't know sort of how funny you want them. Well, <laughs> you be the judge of that. If it's a story you'd want to tell, then um, tell us. Um, Lee, if you've got to jump off now, then go for it. I think it should be all right. Trying to think of a funny story. Oh, I don't know. Really don't know. It's it's, it's a a wrestling story, but not really a wrestling story. I I was wrestling in Midhurst, a place called The Mm -hmm. Grange. And I'd wrestled there before. um, And it's sort of been... Well, when I wrestled there before, it's been built, and um, they built this big hall onto it. It was, um, it was like a not. It was a part, partly leisure centre, but it was like a, a community hall, church church hall to start with, that sort of thing, community centre, which they built on as a leisure centre. They built a big hall onto it, and um, I wrestled a couple of times. It was in building state. Well. All, I think they'd finished it, and I wrestled there for, I can't remember who it was for, I think it was for John Fremantle, and a couple of pals were there, and I'd been in dummy wrestling, came out into change rooms, and I saw the janitor there, I said, um, is there any showers we can have use here, because we were just changing in a room, and he went, oh yeah, over there, and there was like public showers, uh, where it was like a leisure centre and the, the toilets were just there so people could walk to us. I said, I've got more bit private than that. 
and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, use the, use the sauna room. So I went, oh, okay. So I got in there. I thought, oh, sauna room. I'll have a quick sauna while I'm here. So I had a quick shower, jumped in the sauna, come out, showered off again, and had a great big jacuzzi. So oh, that's nice. So I've walked up the jacuzzi, and there's a man and a woman in the jacuzzi. So I said, uh, do you mind if I join you? I said, no, 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 of course. So put my towel down, got in the jacuzzi. He's chatting away. What have you been doing? I've just been wrestling. Wrestling? Oh, right, great, blah, 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 blah. And he's chatting away about it. <clears throat> and the fella looked at the girl, and the girl looked at the fella, and they sort of nodded like that, and they said, um, we going then? And they went, yeah, yeah. So they decided they, they got out, and they had swimming costumes on. I'd got in, and I did have a swimming costume. <laughs> It was just, and I sort of sort of ducked my head down. Sort of, that was all right. Didn't say <laughs> didn't that was care, fine. Apparently. And um, I, I got my towel, got myself. I, this afternoon, I left. Got got my towel, got myself dried off. Went back to the changing room, got myself dressed. Bumped, met my dad because my dad drove down there, sort of thing. And uh, uh, we said, "We'll go, go, go up and have a drink mm-hmm. in the bar." And I walked into the bar, and as I walked into the bar, the first table in the door was the girl and the fella just sitting there. It was just like, oh, God. <laughs> and she went, didn't recognise you with your clothes on. So it's, she was, that was all right, that was fine. But like, it was just just a bit sort of. Yeah, that's all right. A um, c- couple of other things yeah. I'm wondering about. I mean, obviously, obviously you're from Brighton, you've been from Brighton since. So there is obviously some wrestling scene in Brighton. It sounds like there's been a lot of wrestling in Brighton. Has it historically been like a wrestling hub, or is that just how much was going on at the time? Well, there's uh, um, the wrestling starting in Brighton. I mean, there's probably lots of wrestling. There's lots. Of, there was lots of wrestling promoters throughout the country. Um, small promoters, like my dad used to do all over the country, but the, the main who had the television rights was, was joint promotions, which was Dale Martins and a few northern, Best and Wright and, um, in the north, um, and a couple of others. So they were joint promotions. So they, they kept it as a closed shop. You only have, if, if you wrestled for joint promotions, you didn't wrestle for anybody else. That was one of their rules. There was a few that sort of wrestled for the smaller promoters just because they weren't, quite big stars but once they got to be the big stars promoted they um, had to do as they're told but the wrestling at the Brighton Boys Club started off by a couple of um, two or three guys that wanted to mm-hmm. do wrestling a um, guy named um, Georgie Ruckman and Billy Ruckman and a guy to ask about it if you really want to ask about it, is Tony Tony Van okay. Silver you, I don't know him? who Tony Van Silver is. No, no. He, he, he started off in Brighton Wrestling. Great amateur. He, he's, he goes to Elements. Yep. He hasn't been for a while. He, he, um, he had uh, cancer sarcophagus. And, uh, he, mm-hmm. he hasn't been for a while. But we, if, if, he turned, if he's there when I'm there, we just usually stick together because he's uh, a little bit older than me. But great wrestler. Uh, stuntman. Um, so there's the, the Ruckmans um, and him, Tony, and his his ring name was Jaronski. So um, he was uh, great. He was a good wrestler. 
um, and they start this club up, and that's they got they, one of them knew, um, one of them's related to Johnny Peters, who's p- promote Del Martin's wrestlers in the Brighton area, King Alfred's uh, Metropole, um, a couple of other places. I think they did used to do the Corn Exchange as well, and the Dome. Um, so he he was part of that, and George and Billy were sort of related. Then they introduced a few more wrestlers to it, a few more guys. So they all started up their own club. There's supposed to be about 30 or 40 of them at one mm-hmm. point who used to train there. I, I could have got your photo. I'll, I'll try and dig a photograph out for you to show you um, Yeah. next time I see you. And... Um, so they got Bert Azarati involved, and he he was teaching them how to do the wrestling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they used to do a show once a month at the boys' club, and they did other places as well. Um, another, another funny story: my dad used to have a little um, like a, a thirty-five hundred weight van, an Austin van, which was not quite a lorry, but bigger yeah. than a van, uh, about the size of a, what would be. Um, Mercedes Sprinter now, but it was a flat back, bigger mm-hmm. than a Transit, a little bit bigger than a Transit, but not quite a lorry. And he used to drive that for the company he used to work for, doing painting and decorating. And they asked him if they could use that to transport the ring to Gatwick. And he did a, they were doing a show in a, in a hangar at Gatwick Airport. This was, uh, I was about 12. So it would have been about 72, 73, maybe, or 71, 72. <clears throat> so it's, it's, I mean, and the ring they had used to weigh a ton. Well, more than a ton, it was really, really heavy. So um, we loaded load the ring, ring, ring up and, onto the van. Three of the guys got on the back of the van, open truck van, and, and was laying under the ring. Bert Azarati got into the cab, and um, the, the MC at the time, um, Don, he said, oh, you, to my dad, your boy can sit on the back, I'll sit in the front. And he went, no, 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 my boy sits by the side of me. I went, oh, okay, so he had to get on the back. And um, probably it would have been safer on the back because it only had a bit of four by two is holding this the whole weight of this ring <laughs> on on that if it collapsed it would kill us all it would kill us all instantly it was so heavy and uh, yeah for the Gatwick that was a great night I got up into my first I sat in the cockpit of an airplane with nice. one of the pilots it was in a hangar the rest was in the hangar <laughs> yeah great 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 experience I was about 12 awesome. years old then yeah and I guess the other bit I was interested to hear about, um, do you have any opinions on the way that sort of pro wrestling has, I, I'm just been thinking about how pro wrestling has kind of influenced like MMA promotion in the way that people sort of behave outside of the ring. Do people used to talk uh, in the same sort of ways that they do now, you, you know, like people sort of making these ridiculous threats and being flamboyant, um, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, Colby Colvington obviously is a big MMA guy at the moment who uh, has clearly got some pro wrestling influence, as has Conor McGregor. Did people sort of talk like that outside of the ring back when you were really into it, back in the 70s and the 80s? And Yeah, but it was because it's with, with WWE now, it's, it's, I mean, they're, they're, they're great guys. I mean, I wouldn't like to mess about too much with them because they do a job and it's, it's the job they do. Um, it, it, it takes, it, it take, takes some doing to do that job, to be a wrestler. And some of the things they do and the high risk stuff they take, I mean, there's lots of guys lost their lives and doing it. Um, but a lot of it is um, like a, like a soap opera now. They they tell the whole story, so the threats on camera are probably scripted yes, in that respect. Course. Yeah. So um, when it mixes over to mix mixed martial arts, MMA and UFC and that sort of thing, they're probably not no. scripted. But um, look at some of the, the boxes. Um, boxing interviews where they, they slag each other off. You to really hurt someone and to really want to win something, you've got to really hate that person. And that's you've got to get it. That's one of the things you've got to get into. Your, if if you are fighting, is not to make friends with who you're fighting yep. with, because if you make friends with them, you're not going to hurt them when, it, when you really need to. And that's that's where that scripting from the WWE comes from. It's telling, and it's telling people a story of, of what's going on. They, the WWE build up to their WrestleMania, and that's the pinnacle of their their mm-hmm. season as such. EastEnders build up to their Christmas show, which is a pinnacle of their their seat their, their their season. Well, it's not a season of them as such, but like, they they build up to yes. a climax, don't they? And once they've reached that climax, it drops down again. They might have another one just starting just before, and that's what WWE do. And that's excuse me, that's how they attract people to watch it because it tells a story. The British wrestlers, although there were, they would have um, what? Not I'm going to explain it, but like. They would have other wrestlers at a different show. So, like, so far, so my dad was doing a wrestling show, and he'd already planned next month's show, which would be Wrestler A against Wrestler B. The Wrestler A would be on the show that night, and Wrestler B would be in the crowd, and they'll have a little bit of a word yep. with each other. No, you're not that good. I could beat you with my hands tied behind my back, and that sort of thing. And then that would attract people to come on. So it wasn't. It was done, obviously, without the yeah. television. It wasn't. It wasn't so impactive, but, but it was it, done. It, it would sell tickets. Oh, I must go! I've got to come and see that. I've got to come and see that. Yeah, no, that's cool. Or they'd have same, same two wrestlers on the same bill. There would be a, um, a a dodgy decision for a win, and they'd be going, oh, "I want a rematch! I want a rematch!" And of course, the crowd are going, "Yeah, yeah, you deserve one. You deserve one. Get the promoter up here. Get a rematch." And then they. Renag a rematch, and hopefully that would sell them more, a few few more tickets for that. I mean, it's, it's the same. Polaris probably is, is is similar. I'm not saying it is isn't, but like 
they put the top grapplers on there because they want yes. to attract people. Um, I, I don't know. Do you have to pay for view for Polaris? Uh, there's or options. Can, yeah, can, I think that is one option. Yeah. Or can you pay to go and watch? You yeah, can you can pay, pay to go, go and watch, watch it for sure. Um, I think you can do pay per view or is yeah, live. So they're, 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 yeah. it's it's no good put. It'd be no good putting me on there against Dom because they're not yeah. going to like it. They're going to say, "Well, what a mismatch! What a load of rubbish!" Because it would be a mismatch as such. So um, I'm I'm, not, I'm just saying, not me and Dom personally, but like you, you've 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 got to put him up against someone. Dom, someone who's doing. For real, Dom's going to have his followers, and whoever his opponent's going to have followers, so they're both going to want to see their, their man win. Yeah. And then if it's not a dodgy decision, but like um, something that you, if, if Dom thinks he should have won, he's going to want a rematch mm-hmm. at some point. Of course. I would have thought. So it's all with all, with all sports. Football's the same. Football's the same to get the followings. They get the, the manager to talk after the game or before the game, and uh, they're building it up. So it's, it's, it's all entertainment. We hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, please consider subscribing to the podcast and checking us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram under the name Combat Thoughts. We'll see you next time.